We are the Yankee Clippers. It is Sunday morning, bright and early. NFL draft finished up yesterday. I had to go over to uh, Sean's house. He is alive. Um, I found him in his basement. He was butt naked, only wearing a Brandon Jacobs jersey, <laughs> <laughs> crying. <laughs> um, but he is alive. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> the draft went opposite ways for the two of us, it seems like. Uh, we Well, yep. I made it, made it out alive, but uh, had to pull you out of the basement. But barely we're doing breathing. Right. Um, yep. So it went kind of how I expected, just not how I wanted it to go. You weren't um, gonna win that one after the talks. Yeah. No. I mean, they took the best player available on the board. Uh, I really thought that once the Browns did the most Browns thing in the world, taking Baker Mayfield at one, I thought Darnold's here. He's the best quarterback. I can't believe he's falling into our laps. And, nope, it was the running back at two, just as we talked about last week and all the other times leading up to the draft with the 15 mocks that we read off. I just can't believe it, man. I just It's my personal philosophy. I just don't think that you can draft a running back at two. And I know he's going to be a great player. That's never what this has been about. He's probably going to finish top three offensive rookie of the year this year, and the Giants are going to win six games. Uh, his, he's going to have a great five or six year career. Um, and that's going to be it. And they still don't have a successor to Eli. I don't know how long Eli's going to be able to play. They just took the quarterback they out took, of Richmond. They, they, took, they took the quarterback from Richmond, Loetta. I know there, there have been people drawing comparisons to Alex Smith. I don't want to hear it. Alex Smith was the number one overall pick. This is a fourth round quarterback <laughs> who's going to just give a little competition to Davis Webb. I just don't know how you, you had the opportunity to make sure you don't have that next 10-year gap looking for a franchise quarterback, and they took the running back, and I, I just think don't think just, you can do it. I think this just goes to show that, one, they were like always really high on Barkley, and two, maybe they weren't so high on all the other quarterbacks. I mean, that's the only explanation. The Jets definitely benefited from it. Yeah, congratulations to you and, uh, yeah, and I don't all your care. other fellow Jet fans. That I was, was a great pick. I was telling you earlier, I don't care how it happened. They clearly lucked into it. The The one team that's more incompetent than the Jets just happened to pick number one overall. Uh, they took Baker Mayfield. Enjoy that. Have fun with him. Um, I'm happy to take Sam Darnold. Um, I think he's going to be – I don't know if he'll start this year, maybe by midseason, depending on how it goes. I think he's going to be the quarterback for the next 10 years. I was so happy. And I said last week, just because I never thought it would happen, that I was coming to grips with Josh Rosen and kind of talking myself into him. And I think he'll be a good quarterback, but I think that was just because I never thought in a million years that the Jets would have a chance to get him at three. And that makes... In my opinion, that makes the trade completely worth it. Whereas, I mean, Rosen went 10, so the Jets kind of have a little egg on their face if they don't get Darnold because they didn't really have to trade um, a first-rounder, two first-rounders, and what, they trade a second-rounder as well to go and get the um, to go and get the number three pick from the Colts. So uh, at least, at the very least, even if he's not great, at least you can say, you know, he wouldn't have been there at six. No, and that was the safest Denver pick. Because Denver would have taken him. Yeah, for sure. That was the safest pick that the Jets could have possibly made. And, yep. you know, the comparison people wanted, you know, just because of the Jets' history with drafting quarterbacks is 
they want to make a comparison to, to Sanchez. And that's what I'm saying is there is none. Sanchez was a reach. Everybody knew he was a reach. The Jets traded up to get him. Darnold was the consensus number one quarterback all year long and leading up to the college football season after the college football season heading into the draft everybody said he was the safest bet there yeah, was less questions about him he checks all the boxes exactly and, and you know rosen is a little more slender um he has already had concussion issues which is not good just starting off your pro career um and i just think that darnold you know sanchez he was a one-year starter at usc had an okay year um, in a weak quarterback draft, too. In a very weak quarterback draft. I mean, that was a long time ago, thinking back. I was still in grade school. But but now, you know, you go with the stud who, who has been projected to be the number one overall pick for like a year and a half, two years now. Um, supposedly a pretty strong top end of quarterbacks, minus Baker Mayfield. But he somehow went number one overall, which just goes to show how um, just weird this draft was. Um and, and I don't think he's anything like Mark Sanchez. He was a, um, a two-year starter at USC, um, and, and he just put up much better numbers, and he was on everyone's radar from day one as opposed to Sanchez, who showed up you know, late riser and the Jets took a chance. Listen, Darnold... Darnold had, fell to them. Darnold Believe it or not, if them. you could fall at three, he fell to them. Well, so the thing with Darnold, and he had that ridiculous game against Saquon Barkley and Penn State in the Rose Bowl in 2017, and leading into his into his second season, everybody was going to say, you know, the Jet fans were saying, suck for Sam, yeah, you know, we're not going to win a game. Yeah, we didn't even have to suck that bad. And, um, and you know, with the thing with Darnold is, is that he, he was in a position, too, with a lot of his players that – Guys left, like Juju Smith-Schuster left. Um, he had a lot of injuries on his offensive line. And he was a turnover machine this year. But if you look at it, it's nothing that he can't correct. It's nothing that is going to give him problems going forward. You don't look at any part of his game and say, wow, like this could be a big concern at the next level, like you do with a Josh Allen's accuracy issues, like you do with a uh, Josh Rosen concussion and injury history. Um, like you do with a Baker Mayfield being six foot and you know just being, just being a Big Twelve quarterback, Darnold is going to be a really good player. And the Jets just found, I really strongly believe, their first franchise quarterback since Namath. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you could throw Pennington in there; he was a great player, and they didn't really put much around him. Um, but I agree, you know, and, and people will point to the turnovers, and I was one to do it too back before I thought the Jets were going to get him, and uh, um, just just to kind of convince myself of Josh Rosen. But like you said, um, he had an amazing year last year. This year was kind of a little bit more of a disappointment, but that also has to do with the fact that USC didn't do a very good job recruiting around him. And I don't think – I think he kind of carried that team above their head as opposed to the other way around. Um, and I just think that the the turnovers will be fixed, and every young quarterback, you know, has turnovers. Um, he'll 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 learn ball security in the NFL real quick, and, and, and he'll learn to, to not make too. those bad throws in the NFL. And and you would think that the Jets will do a good job beefing up the offensive line, and at the beginning he'll be he'll be handing off the ball a lot more. Yeah, and they already to allude what you alluded to is they've already 
they asked him after he was drafted about his turnover problems this year, and he said he's been working with one of those quarterback gurus, uh, making sure he has both hands on the football when he's running in the pocket. You know, his interceptions were mostly because he was trying to make a lot happen when there wasn't much there, and his you know his ball security as far as fumbles was simply just because he didn't have great technique of holding onto the ball. You work on that, that's not going to be an issue. What people going don't forward. forget is that he wasn't a quarterback forever. I, I believe he was recruited to USC as a linebacker. He was a linebacker, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this this guy, it's not like he grew up, you know, playing pee wee football as as the quarterback. So, you know, you have to keep in mind that. It, he he doesn't have the same years of you know doing this since he was ten years old and and with with being a full time professional athlete I think all the skills are there supposedly he's a leader and the turnovers will subside I am not worried about that in the least no and he's gonna be under great tutelage from a Josh McCown from a Teddy Bridgewater. I'm He's so be happy in a really there's good position no, to learn. There's no better player than Josh McCowan to learn under because McCowan knows he's on the back nine. He loves this team. He's happy to be here and he's not going to be holding things back like supposedly Tom Brady did to Jimmy Garoppolo and, and that was just one example where you know you're like I'm the starter and you're still being super competitive. McCowan knows he's here for a year, maybe two. I don't even think that. And then he's gone, and he had a he had a pretty good year last year. Uh, he always gets hurt, but he's a great quarterback. Um, everybody that plays with him swears by him. Even Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel had the most success in the NFL in the NFL when he was his backup quarterback. Um, and I don't think I think that's much more of a testament to McCowan than it is a negative to Johnny Manziel. Um, no, I'd agree with you. And there's a reason why he's been in the NFL so long. He's he's a he's a consummate professional, and I think that he's re- that um, Darnold's really going to learn from him. But let's jump into some other picks because I know you really want to talk about the Giants draft as a whole. I want to talk about the Jets draft as a whole, and then just a few sleeper players on other teams that we like. We're not going to go rounds one through seven. That's a bit ridiculous, especially because. We're not experts. We're not going to go give everybody an A, B, C, D. On yeah, we're not going to pretend to be Kuiper and McShay right here. Yeah, or, or any of these other people that are, are writing 10-page articles giving everybody grades. I'm a, I'm a Jets fan. You're a Giants fan. But we also watch the NFL. We know what's going on. So I'm going to you know mention maybe one or two players that stand out to me on other teams. Um, and besides that, you know... We'll just leave the rest to talk about during the season. So uh, why don't you lead off? Because I know you're pretty well versed in this with the Giants picks. Um, who you're happy with, and how you just feel about their draft overall? I know you're not too happy with their first round pick, but then again, you know he's gonna be good. You know. He's yeah. So be just good. for just for clarity, because I don't want it to sound like I'm against Saquon Barkley. He's a great kid. He's a fantastic talent. By far the most talented player in the draft. Week four, you're gonna be like best pick ever, Hall of Famer. <laughs> Give him the gold jacket. But that's the thing is he might be, he might very well be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And my whole philosophy, just real quick, like we touched on upon last week, is you could tell me he's gonna be the best running back of all time. I I'm I'm devaluing the position. Not the player. You put that perfectly, and I completely respect your opinion. You know, you're just going to come in here week five and be like, best pick ever. (laughs) (laughs) So, but the one nice segue that I'll go into with that is the Giants' second round pick was the left tackle, Will Hernandez from UTEP. And he had a mid first round grade, 
Everybody loved him. A lot of people thought he was the second or the third best lineman in this draft behind uh, Quentin Nelson and McGlinchley, uh, both Notre Dame starters. And Hernandez fell simply because the offensive line wasn't addressed by a lot of teams in this draft. A lot of player, a lot of teams went defense. A lot of teams went quarterbacks. Five quarterbacks taken in the first round. So the the position he fell to the Giants being, you know, really an extension of a first round pick with the Giants drafting second in the first round in the second round. So what makes me excited about that pick and it allows me to live a little bit more with the Barkley pick is to me this it's shows not like that they didn't address this it. shows to me that Gettleman felt that there was more of a more of a drop off from Barkley to the next running back than there was from Nelson to the next top tier left tackle. So from that respect, I'm going to have to, I obviously have to go with what he thinks is best. Yeah, I have to agree. And, and, and in, at least it went in there and it looks like he had a plan, which is, you know, the Browns, although they ended up with two really good players, you know, they don't really so much look like they had a plan. Some other teams as well, maybe like Oakland, didn't really look like they had much of a plan. At least you know that it kind of looks like he had a competent plan beyond, all right, we're going to take Barkley, you know? Yeah, he said in yesterday that the draft went exactly how he planned. Yeah, and they were like, we're going to take Barkley, and then this, this, and this is going to happen, and we're going to take the guy out of UTEP. A- and that worked out perfectly for them. Good for the Giants. I think that they're going to end up being good. I'm not as worried about the Barkley pick as you are, but I'm also not a fan. Yeah, I'm not worried, once again, about him. I just don't think that you can take a running back at two when you, you don't. You, your quarterback is 37 years old, and it's and what the move did to me, like I said, I, I'm a little bit more better on it now after the pick of Will Hernandez uh, at, two, at the second round. But to me is you had the best opportunity – in your uh, in your lives to take the next quarterback to Eli because after Phil Sims they were chasing around a quarterback forever and they had some talent on the offense in those years yeah you had a Kerry Collins team that went to the Super Bowl but you knew that that was not sustainable and they finally found Eli I mean to your Jets you know you got Darnold the Jets have been trying to find a franchise quarterback for 40 years it's easy easy. it's not that easy and you hope that you're never drafting two or three again because if you are in a position where in a in a really good quarterback draft again where you're going to have to trade a king's ransom to move up for a quarterback instead of already being in that position so I get it. It just reeked to me that they're trying to win another for Eli, win another for Eli. And as the biggest Eli fan, and I love him, I think he can have a really good year with the offensive weapons he has, a new fortified left side of the line, maybe a little bit better right side of the line with the acquisition of the uh, offensive tackle from Jacksonville. Maybe, probably not, Flowers can do something on the right side. Jesus. I'm really not thinking that. So, But they have the skill position now with Barkley being a great pass blocker, can do anything from the wide Yeah, they almost have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to yeah, the skill Yeah, Shepard and Ingram as well. Um, OBJ. <laughs> and OBJ. Well, that goes without saying. So it, it's a, it's an opportunity for them to win, but I don't think they're the, – they're certainly not the best team in their own division. you got the Super Bowl champs right there. I think still think Dallas is really good. Yeah, you got the three the, teams in the south. And the Redskins got better And the better Redskins in this got better. Too, definitely. They have, they have, have my the favorite Ram- pick of the draft. So. And, and, you've got, and you've got the Rams in the west. You've got the Vikings and Packers that you're still going to have to deal with. It's going to be hard for them to get into the postseason. 
And once they get there, I just don't think that they're equipped, even with the offensive weapons that they have and playoff Eli. It, it just seems that this was their opportunity to get that next one so you're not constantly trying running around in circles trying to find your next quarterback. I couldn't agree more. And that and, and you really say, you know, what you're trying to do is win a Super Bowl and um drafting that running back is going to be great, but when you know, you're playing games against the Eagles or you're playing any game when it comes to the playoffs, like of course you're going to beat the teams you should beat, but even if you squeak in and get that wild card, you know, when you're playing teams with really good defensive lines, it it doesn't matter about Barkley because Eli is not going to be able to throw the ball because he's going to be on his back. Yep. One you know? thing I do like, though, is... And you know Eli, especially in the past few years, when he starts feeling that pressure, he gets happy feet, and he just... There'll be times where Eli... You're watching the game, and Eli had a good two more seconds to get, or he could have moved up in the pocket, and he just goes down yep. to try and avoid an injury, which is fine, because he's getting his ass kicked out there. But that's just what happens, is that Eli gets those happy feet. After, yeah, and, and you can't blame him when weeks. he hasn't had protection in years. But the other pick I really liked was in round three, um, Lorenzo Carter, the uh, outside linebacker from Georgia. I really like what Gettleman's doing, addressing the linebacker position. They're running a new defense. They're going to be running um, Betcher's 3-4 that he's bringing over from Arizona, who's been one of the uh, top-tier defenses in the league for the last four years. And, you know, I thought Bradley Chubb was going to be an opportunity. It shows that they're not going to address that classic Giants um, pass rusher. They're going to get a, to run a lot of blitzes from the linebacker positions. They want their linebackers to be versatile, be able to drop into coverage, uh, be able to blitz off off the sides. And to be honest with you, it started with the Ogletree trade. And um, Carter from, from Georgia, he was one of the best defensive players in the entire country this past year, running all over the field, probably a, more of a late first-round, second-round talent that they got in round three, number 66 overall. I thought that was a great move. He's, he's been very adamant about addressing the linebacker position and trying to get, in his words, big hog mollies on the lines. So, you know, the Will Hernandez pick certainly showed that. They got a B.J. Hill, a defensive tackle from NC State, another huge guy to fortify that line with snacks. So we'll see. I mean, I I can't hate the draft. Obviously, Barkley's going to be a great player. I just can't see running back at two. But you know what? All in all, I got to get with with Reese – you expected these picks to be busts. With Gettleman, this is his last chance to, to fortify his legacy as an NFL GM. He said that this is exactly how he projected the draft to go. He got everybody he wanted. So as a Giant fan, I'm very anxious to see how it turns out. And um, I'm obviously not expecting a Super Bowl, but I'm certainly uh, I'm certainly hoping for more than three wins, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, um, I don't think you guys will be picking two again. I'll put it to you that way. 8-8. Um, eight and eight. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. We're probably going to be a 7-9, 8-8 eight and eight team. And and you know what? That's once again why I wanted the quarterback. That's good for you, honestly, when it comes to the perspective of this podcast because you can come on every week that they lose and complain about the offensive line. That's right, and and it's going to be pretty easy. But So, so how about for you, for your to Jets? To the 2023 Super Bowl champion, <laughs> the New York Jets. Um, you know, they made the trade, so they didn't really have a lot of draft picks to begin with behind Darnold. We've already spoken to Darnold, enough said about him. I'm really happy with what they did with the picks that they had. So in the third round, they got Nathan Shepard. Um, small guy, supposedly he really tore it up at the senior bowl. I'm just happy because maybe they can replace a guy like Mo Wilkerson. Couldn't get much worse than Mo Wilkerson the last two years. Once he got paid, he kind of shut it down. 
he was a ghost on the field. Man. He was a ghost yeah. in the locker room, too. Yeah, him, and, him and Sheldon meetings. Richardson are kind of cut from the same cloth where it was like, at the beginning, they're coming out like a bat out of hell trying to get that money. And then once they get it, it wasn't the same player. You know, once they get paid, they're, they're kind of taking every, like every, every two out of every three plays, they're taking off, you know, and, and you could just see that. There's no leadership, too. That's a position that you want leadership from in, that, in that locker room on a young, talented defense. And, and I think he's really going to shore up the defensive line. I mean, you have one of the best defensive linemen already in Leonard Williams. Hopefully he doesn't end up like the other two because the Jets, if they're good at one thing, it's drafting with with or, or taking a defensive lineman when you have – you know Sheldon Richardson. You have Mo Wilkerson, Snacks Harrison. You know you have they. They're very good at that. Let's just hope that they can keep the character. They have some character to them. Um, and then I'm happy with the tight end pick um, from Miami. Uh, the last year, uh, David, the Brown guy, the Browns guy, David Njoku, kind of, kind of took the shine away from him. Um, but I think he'll be a good blocker. I think he'll probably make the team. And you're not. I'm not trying to get you know a Gronk, or I'm not trying to get a, a Saints Jimmy Graham. But if you can get a poor, poor, poor man's Jason Witten, where he runs perfect routes, he he blocks for the run game amazingly, and he's kind of that in that real tight end as opposed to a wide receiver or just a blocking guy like the Giants have. Um, Ingram, who you know that he's running a route, or they have the other guy where you know he's – Yeah, Red Ellison is more of like a fullback tight blocking. end hybrid. Yep. If the Jets can get a t- true dual threat tight end where you don't know what's happening and he can be a starter for five to six years, I'd be completely happy with that. And I think he can do that. Um, you know, they had Austin Safarian Jenkins due to uh, some unforeseen circumstances in Tampa Bay where he got a couple DUIs, and he was good but he didn't block at all. You know, he had a great year last year. He had a few touchdowns taken away by the refs. I don't know if you remember those games. That Patriot game. Yeah, one, that's one of, one of the few, but um, he had he, he had some tough luck. But I think that he'll end up playing a lot for the Jets right off the jump. Um, I think the Jets have some good wide receivers already, but with the circumstances of this draft, I think getting those three positions, they got two cornerbacks in the later rounds. We'll see. That's the best I can say because they did just sign a cornerback. um, And their safeties, they're young, they're studs. We don't really have to worry about that. I think their secondary is pretty shored up because they also have Claiborne. So maybe these guys can be a nickel safety. Maybe they'll they'll end up – one of them will end up figuring out how to D up the slot. Yeah, yeah, play in the slot corner too. Exactly, or he can be, you know, a backup. Um, they have I, a very versatile defense, not to cut you off, but their their defensive backs are all so talented and versatile and can play in a lot of different schemes. The only guy I'm a little bit worried about is Jamal Adams because he's more of a heavy hitter safety. He kind of lays the wood, and you know, with these new rule changes, it kind of eliminates that position. Marcus May is a little more of the cover guy, but I think Jamal Adams is a good enough athlete. I mean, he was a, what, sixth? He was the sixth overall, sixth pick, overall yeah. pick last year, so... I mean, you would think that he's got enough skill to figure it out. And then the Jets have two really good corners. Morris Claiborne's great when he's healthy. So I think that given the circumstances with the Jets getting a franchise, changing quarterback, hopefully, um, I th- I would say that I think they had a pretty good draft. Oh, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. That was that was one of the best drafts that you could have possibly asked for as a Jet fan because you got the guy that you wanted all year long without having to give up too much draft collateral. Yes, you moved up in the draft, but you knew you were going to have to to get him. Keep in mind that one of the picks they gave up 
was in that Sheldon Richardson Jermaine Curse deal, which yeah, I understand that it's a pick and that's equity, but at the same time, that's not your own pick and you got rid of Sheldon Richardson, who was a nothing for bol- for for the Seahawks last year. Who knows? Maybe he'll be remotivated with the Vikings this year. But he was a zero for you. He was a zero for the Seahawks, and you got Jermaine Curse out of it, who's a great number three, number four wide receiver. And the Jets don't have the worst wide receiver core out there. Uh, Noonwa's supposedly coming back. You got Terrell Pryor, who. Maybe he'll play hard for another contract. Um, Robbie Anderson, if I don't know, we've already had this conversation. <laughs> and then you have Curse, so yeah. I, I think that no, there's weapons to throw to for sure. Absolutely, and and their running game between Eli McGuire and um, Powell, I think, is going to be a running back by committee. It will be formidable. You know, I think it'll be fine. I I, I totally agree. And the other thing too, just to just to talk about the the impressions of the draft is. There's not a price there's not a bad price if to give up if you can get your top if you can get your next franchise quarterback. The Jets will look back in twenty twenty three after hoisting that Lombardi as you're predicting to say, Hey, you know what? So we gave up a couple of picks in the second round. Whatever. You know what? That these are the trades that make that make you a Super Bowl champion. These are these are picks that picks and trades that form a legacy. And Obviously, McCagnan is not known for taking quarterbacks in the second, third, or fourth rounds, uh, seeing as how his second-round pick from a couple of years ago in Hackenberg can't even sniff the practice field. So this was his opportunity. This is going to be his legacy from now on. Everything else can be washed away if Sam Darnold becomes that first Jets quarterback to lead them to the promised land. Nobody's going to remember the trade that they made. Nobody's going to be like, whoever the Seahawks pick with that second-round pick, they're going to be like, well, you could have had him. Who fucking cares? Exactly. And you just got a quick, your quarterback. And just a quick note, too, not that this matters too much, but it, the friendly rivalry of Jets and Giants is – the Giants opened up the portal for the Jets to get their next franchise quarterback, and that's what makes the Barkley trade even more crazy, or uh, pick rather, even that much more crazy. Is you had the chance to take that next quarterback that would be the heir apparent to Eli. You decided not to, and if Darnold wasn't picked, you allow him to go to the team that plays in your same building, and he has an Eli Manning career, just wearing green and white. Wow, that's going to be hard to stomach as a Giants fan, and for and for the Giants brass uh, from Mara all the way down. Well, yeah, they they won't be there very long if that's what happens. I can tell you that. And you know, just maybe we should just go through a couple more picks that we think are good. Um, I really like. I mean, the Colts getting Quentin Nelson. The top ten picks, um, they all look pretty good. I don't think Josh Allen's going to be much of anything. Um, he's no, but he was worth a shot. Buffalo needs a quarterback in the worst way. Yeah, and absolutely. You hope, and for them, it's like, hey, you're taking this guy with great upside, a huge arm to play in the cold. You know, you'll you'll see what he can do. They haven't had a quarterback since since Jim Kelly. I really like. I, I hate what the Raiders did, taking a guy that supposedly is going to take three years to be ready, and they didn't get much for trading back. They only got a couple second rounders, which is pretty bad comparatively to you know what the Packers got to move back a few picks, and they still got arguably the best cornerback in the draft um, for out of Louisville, Alexander, who by by a lot of people's grades was the best cornerback in the draft. Yeah, Denzel at least Ward top for two. yeah Denzel Ward for. Uh, 
for Cleveland at four was a great pick for them. I think, you know, obviously it's the Browns and they just took Mayfield. So who the fuck knows? But he, he's a top corner. I would have taken Chubb because it's just like the Eagles mentality. As many pass rushers as you can create havoc. Will the creating havoc will create turnovers. Yep. But you know, I can't argue with it. We'll see how he does. On yeah, the if field. they have a shutdown corner took, and a top and a top defense. Keep in mind the, the last two times that they took, um, they had two first round picks. They took a quarterback, uh, kind of a little bit, and I'm not saying personality-wise Baker Mayfield is anything like Johnny Manziel, but his build and his skill set is just like Johnny, and they also took a corner in the first round that year too. Yep. No, you're right. Oklahoma you're right. State, from, if I recall correctly. Um, another pick I really like, he kind of fell to the Bears, was uh, Smith. Roquan Supposedly Smith. Supposedly yeah. he might be the best player in this draft, just – you know, comparatively to everyone, yep. he may be the best player in the draft. And the Bears have a long history of top linebackers playing for them. I so think he's really going to continue that. He could be, he could be, he could be a, you know, a billion-time Pro Bowler for when it's all said and done. And then going down um, to the San Diego – oh, sorry, Los Angeles Chargers. Easy. Derwin James, um, he was getting compared to Sean Taylor on ESPN. That's a stretch – but if he can be half of what Sean Taylor is, I would be really excited about what the Chargers did. And the Chargers doing what they did in the second round as well. Um, I think that they had one of the better drafts. They took a, uh, a linebacker, the linebacker out of USC, who's supposedly like a four-down linebacker. So I think between those two picks, they were getting a lot of high grades. I think the Chargers did really well in this draft because offensively, they're fine. They have their running back for another three years. They have a top wide receiver. They have a really good wide receiver core. I don't know why I'm going into detail about the Los Angeles Chargers just, right now. I'm letting you just go, man. Um, the only thing go. they really need is a quarterback, but half the NFL needs a quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, of course. And kind of just a couple of uh, names that, picked that stood out to me was uh, – one more pick, though, before you go on yep. is um, the pick out of LSU, Darius Geis, fell because of character issues to the Washington Redskins. And I'm not saying he's he's a good guy. I, I don't know him, whatever. Just talent-wise, he was a first-round talent. And I think you're going to watch him and be like, God damn, we could have had that. In the second round, oh yeah, and we could have had we could have had Quentin Nelson in the first round, and then with our second round pick had Darius Geis, and you know I think Barkley will be better, but how much better? It, the margin is going to be really close. And that's what we said he, before. He reminds me not skill wise, but of a guy like Tyree Kill, where the dude's a top, top. Well, he was a top, you know, round talent, but he did he's not a good guy, and the Chiefs ended up taking him. Redskins. Sorry, no, no, no. I'm talking oh, you're about. Talking about, I'm talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 Chiefs managed to keep. He's managed to keep his way out of trouble, and he's, you know, a, a difference maker on offense, which is what you want, no matter where you take a guy. Oh, for sure. And I think there's going to be a couple of running backs that are going to, just like every year, that are going to come out of nowhere from the second round, third round, fourth round, and have really good seasons and be Pro Bowlers or at least great complementary pieces to to good teams. That's why, like I said, I I don't. I can't see drafting a running back second because I just devalue the position. I just think that you can find those players anywhere. The Giants won two Super Bowls with Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw, a fourth and a seventh round pick, respectively. But yeah, and every year it seems to be that everybody is saying, "Oh, like this is a really, really low end running back class," and then you guys, you get guys like Alvin Kamara, um, and you get guys like 
What's on um on Kansas City? Yeah, Tyreek Hill. No, or, Lamar, Tyre- or uh, Hunt. Yeah, Kareem Hunt. Kareem you get Hunt. guys yep. like him in the later rounds, and running backs seems like they can be, you know, built out of uh, wide receivers, other yeah. positions. So, I I mean, listen, we're really shitting on the Barkley pick. Let's see how it goes. He'll probably go in the first round in fantasy drafts. It'll be a lot of fun. He's going to be a great player. There's no that's not that's not the point. He's going to put up numbers, but you know, Carmelo Anthony puts up, put up numbers for a real long time too. But he doesn't have any rings. That's uh, for sure. Yep. And and the running back is position is so dependent on a line, on a quarterback, on receivers. There's a lot that goes into a running back being successful other I than mean, his just own look personal at Todd Gurley. talent. Just look at Todd Gurley. Yeah. First year, great. Second year, stack box. Uh, Everyone was no saying he was a bust. As soon as that bust. offense opened up. Last year, offensive player of the year. Yep. So, I mean, it's too reliant on other positions, whereas – uh, quarterback, I mean, is, even on a bad team, a good quarterback can make you that much better. Yeah, and and I like real quick. I really do like what Denver did taking Bradley Chubb. They're gonna try to, um, they're gonna try to replicate what they did with their Super Bowl teams, which is just have Marcus the top yep. top tier pass rushers on both Should sides. It yeah, it works. I mean, they're 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 thinking, hey, you know, with a Case Keenum at quarterback. He should be good enough. The defense is going to play shutout it football. Looks like a, it looks like a, a spitting image of their of their Super Bowl team of Peyton Manning. You know, at that point, Peyton Manning was a game manager, same as Brock Osweiler. They had Demarcus Ware on one side with still a little bit of gas left in the tank, and the best defensive player, Von Miller, on the other side. And they made every single quarterback, including Tom Brady and Cam Newton. Um, uneasy in the pocket, and they put him on the ground a lot. And Cam Newton made a couple, as everybody says, business decisions in that Super Bowl where he wasn't trying to get lit up, and he went down. Yeah, and and, the, and, and they can do that if that all worked, year. If that worked for them just a couple years ago, and they're going to try to replicate that, why not? I think that was a great. I thought that was a great pick for them. That he was the best player available uh, at five. Um, going down the line, I just wanted to talk about some of the quarterbacks that got picked. I know we just briefly touched upon uh, Josh Allen. We'll see what he can do. He's got high upside. He's got a huge arm. Buffalo is in desperate need for their next quarterback. I can certainly understand the move to move up and get him. Um, I kind of liked what Rosen said when he went to when he got traded up for. I know everybody's going to say he's a brat. Everybody's going to say, and I don't care but you have to brat-ness. have that mentality. Of course. I mean, listen, could it be all talk? Yeah. Could he be out of the league and? A couple of years because he's got too many concussions. Yeah, but you know the Cardinals needed a quarterback, and he's cut from. He he looks like a Sam Bradford, not to say injury wise, but a guy and a, and a Mike Lennon, where a guy that's not going to move around that much, but can really sling the ball around. And if he can stay healthier, if Sam Bradford was a healthy quarterback, he'd be a very good quarterback. Oh yeah, no doubt. If he can stay healthier and do and replicate Sam Bradford when healthy. He's going to have – I think he'll probably – honestly, this is just a rapid reaction, which is basically what we're doing anyways. If I were to say who has the best careers, I think that the top two careers out of the quarterbacks are probably – I mean, wishful th- – hope, hope, Sam Darnold, number one, number two, Josh Rosen, and number three, and he might be number two, and maybe even number one is Lamar Jackson. I was just going to say, that was the last guy I wanted to talk about here to, to wrap up the, the draft talk. What a steal. Ozzie Newsom in his last draft class is going out in style. That was a great pick. He played that draft, like that first round, like a violin, man. He was just able to... 
He really trade it back, trade it back, yeah, yeah. trade it back. He knew the guys he wanted. He knew that he knew the teams he was trading with were not were not threats for any of the guys he wanted, which allowed him to get that draft capital, which allowed him to keep moving back to for who he wanted. And you know, there's a lot of questions about Flacco. There really are every year. He, if you get him into the postseason, anything can happen. Kind of like a like a lesser Eli Manning. But Lamar Jackson, we talked about last week, saying, "Can't you see him going to the Pats? Can't you see him going to the Pats?" He's not going to play this year. We should have seen the think. writing on the wall. Is my thing because you don't sign a guy like um, RG three who is can run the Lamar Jackson style offense for no reason. And it's funny that they signed him before they picked Lamar Jackson because now you have RG three who's locked in to a contract before that they if they had done this after the draft he probably wouldn't have signed with them because he wants to be a starter they also get a, a, a really good wide receiver out of maryland these maryland wide receivers what people don't understand is that the quarterback at maryland is probably i probably could play quarterback for maryland it's it was the same thing with stefan diggs stefan diggs had a, had a, a linebacker playing quarterback because all of maryland's quarterbacks either fizzled out or you know he had a first round talent and he ended up going in the third round because of how awful the quarterback played. Yeah, and even Darius Hayward Bay has turned into a, a nice complimentary wide receiver for for Pittsburgh. I know he was picked outrageously high by Oakland uh, when he came into the he ran a fast NFL. 40. Yeah, but he's a good he's a good wide receiver. And same thing, he never had anybody throwing to him, so he's turned out to be a pretty Steve good Smith player. Said on NFL Network that they finally found his replacement. That's. That's a bold statement. That's big words because he was he's one of the best wide receivers of all time. But just to cap it off, I think Lamar Jackson's probably going to be either if if Rosen stays healthy, he'll be second best, but if he gets hurt, I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a really really good long career as a quarterback in the NFL. Yep, he's he's a quarterback. You watch him play, he's a quarterback. Absolutely. And just to cap it off, you know, why don't we just talk about the Patriots because it was their draft was very very interesting, and I think everybody's gonna overanalyze and overthink. In my opinion, I think that Belichick just didn't like any of the quarterbacks, and he just went with needs. Yeah, which is what he always does. The last time he picked a quarterback in the top four rounds, probably the only time was when he took Jimmy Garoppolo. You saw what he could do in San Francisco, and he was worth the pick. I don't. I guess he didn't think Mason Rudolph was worth the pick in the second round. I think he went in the third round actually. He went in the third Steelers. To Pittsburgh, you I said, guess yeah. he didn't think he was worth the pick, and maybe he thought it was a waste of a pick. And then I guess he didn't think trading back into the first round or using one of those first two picks in the, in the round that they in the first round that they had was worth it. Yeah. No, I I couldn't agree more. And and truth be told, is I like the Sony Michelle pick for them because he's going to step into kind of that Shane Vereen, Dion Lewis kind of role where he's going to be able to run in between the tackles. He's going to be able to run a lot of those bubble screens, make a lot happen in the open field like he did with Georgia. You know, Brady in that offense is going to run a lot of plays for him where either he's coming out of the backfield, whether he's lining up in the with the receivers, whether he's, you know, kind of going into the flat and making things happen there. I know he's a good uh, pass-blocking running back, even though he's not huge. Uh, Georgia used him a lot in those schemes, even more so than Nick Chubb. So I thought that was a really good pick for them. He fits their scheme perfectly. I don't think he's a fantastic player, per se, but I think with, he's he has all the tools necessary to succeed 
in a Belichick in a, in a Patriots offense. Yeah, and they wasted with the first pick. I think it was the twenty first pick in the draft. They wasted no time replacing Solder, a lot cheaper and a lot younger left tackle that they're going to have themselves as well. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it with the draft. Georgia had a lot of good players coming out in that first round. I mean, yeah, yeah, Isaiah Wynn is who you're talking about, and he listen. The Georgia runs a very uh, traditional offense uh, with Jake Fromm at quarterback, and uh, Isaiah Wynn maybe he'll be the next really really protected him real very well this year. Um, a lot of those tough defenses in the SEC weren't able to get to him that often. So I think he's gonna he's the perfect guy to replace Solder, but also he's the perfect um, he's the perfect left tackle to protect Brady. Yeah, absolutely. Fromm's not really a mobile guy. Brady's clearly not a mobile guy. So um, yeah, I, I think that the Patriots are gonna end up being the Patriots. It is what it is. You can't question anything that they do because even if it doesn't make sense to us, how many years have we sat here questioning something that they've done, and then they take a lacrosse player somewhere in the draft, and he turns out to be the AFC championship MVP so you can't really question anything they do they always have a plan they're going to stick to their plan Belichick's as good at identifying talent anywhere from rounds one through seven as anybody there's been and we'll see what happens but it is interesting that they didn't address the quarterback position like you said I guess there just wasn't anybody that that did it for them Um, and they're going to have to go into the season unless anything changes maybe if you know the Jets release a uh a, a um Bryce Petty. Yeah, Bryce Petty, or or even if Bridgewater is let go, some of these teams that have three quarterbacks, you know, maybe they'll scoop one up. But if they go into the season with Brady and Brian Hoyer, man, you better make sure that they're protected because if Brady goes down, not even the genius of Belichick is going to make that team a uh, a real contender. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, the draft happened a couple days ago. We got a ways to go before the season. Uh, I'm excited about it, especially with the new quarterback. Um, I'll probably be buying a jersey within the next couple days. Um, so just let's move on to the NBA playoffs. They That was one of my favorite first rounds. Not that it's even over because the Cavs, believe it or not, have a Game 7. Um, LeBron is in a Game 7 in the first round. If I told you that if, even a few weeks ago, you, oh, you would have told me that was you. a fucking lie. Yeah, there's no way I'd believe um, you. But, you know, it was a really good first round. A couple surprises that we really shouldn't have thought were surprises with the Pelicans, you know, that matchup, and the Jazz, um, just because the Thunder are kind of a mess. Uh, and Paul George is gone, if you ask me. Dude, he looked gone during the series. Yeah. It didn't look like he, he played with a lot of fire. Carmelo really, really just did what Carmelo Anthony thinks. Carmelo, <laughs> they looked you can't a thousand mess at all. times better than with the other player. I believe his name is Grant on the floor. Because at least the guy could play defense, maybe cut every once in a while for Westbrook, who's drawing three guys to get a layup and and sh- and shoot the ball and make some shots. But why don't we go up and down each series, and then we'll talk about a Game 7 prediction for the Cavs and then move on to that next series. So you want to start off with the Western Conference? Yeah, so right now we'll start with the series that's already begun. Golden State took down New Orleans last night in the first game out in uh, California. I, I really like what the Pelicans did, and, and you hit the nail on the head with that prediction. Uh, I was not expecting a sweep over Portland, but they couldn't have looked better. I just think they're running into a buzzsaw. Yeah, and we've been saying it since we started this podcast. Um, the Warriors are the best team in basketball. Even without Stephen Curry, they just have too many options to throw at the Pelicans. Um you know, Rondo kind of is is not as prevalent in this kind of series as he was in the other one, where there's two guards that need to be worried about. This is more of a big man team. What I find interesting is that 
in this series, unlike the other one, there's so many guys that you can throw at Anthony Davis. Not that you're going to stop him, but just to slow him down. Like, you can throw Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Looney, and Bell all at Anthony Davis to try and kind of slow him down. And then Drew Holiday is going to be picked up by one of the best outside defenders in Clay Thompson. And then the rest is is the rest. And I just think that there's too many guys on this Warriors team. Even though they don't have the depth, I didn't even mention Iguodala or Sean Livingston, even though that they don't have the depth of the teams of the past, they definitely still have enough to get by this Pelicans team because – I think that when you get Anthony Davis in that high pick and roll with Kevin Durant and whoever, or vice, or even if Kevin Durant's handling the ball, there's going to be nobody else that can guard Kevin Durant on that team. No, absolutely not. And this this has a lot of five Warriors in five written all over. That was going to be my exact prediction at the end. You stole it from New me. New Orleans rat. will take a game at home. Yeah, exactly. I think New Orleans takes a game at home where Anthony Davis. It just shows we're on the same page, man. Yeah, it's all exactly. Good. We are. We're same wavelength on this one. So I think that Davis maybe. Game three, game four, Davis has a 45-point game where he shows that he is honestly probably the best player in the league at this point um, on a night-to-night basis, numbers-wise and just talent-wise. Um, but I think I think that, yeah, maybe they get one and then the Warriors move on. They, they wasted one in San Antonio, which I was surprised by because a championship team should not be not sweeping a team that's – shittier than them and wasting that one rest day or the two rest days but whatever I mean I still think they're they're going to go to the finals and I'll, I, I may even throw out a finals prediction at the end I think everybody m- at this point might know what I'm leaning towards but I well moving on I think we both said um, Golden State, Golden five. State, and five. I like the other Western Conference series. I really like Houston and Utah. I think Utah could give them a fight, man. I really do. I mean, obviously Houston is prolific What's... offensively, but this is the series where I... I'm very intrigued to see if those playoff demons of Harden and Paul actually come back Absolutely. together. Because Utah's playing with house money, man. I mean, they're they're a young team. They were really good this year. They're great at home. And this is an opportunity for them. Nobody's expecting them. There's a lot of pressure on Houston. Not everybody, not a lot of people thought they'd get to the finals because they'd have to go through Golden State. But everyone predicted them to be in the finals, kind of as a for, or in the Western Conference Finals rather, kind of as a foregone uh, conclusion. Yeah, and what I find really interesting Utah's is that, good. Yeah, I, I I think that Utah really matches up perfectly with Houston. I don't think they're gonna win the series. I really think this is the year that. Chris Paul finally goes to the conference finals and gets over the hump. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because you have a guy who's fleet-footed and very long and go bare, who I, obviously I don't think he can guard Harden for 40 minutes, but on those screen and rolls, if he gets switched onto Harden, he's not going to look like a turnstile like some of the other big men where Harden just, you know, basically breaks their ankles every single time and bangs the three in their eye. But... You know, you got a guy like Rubio who can really give Chris Paul a hard time on defense, as well as Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul's probably going to guard Donovan Mitchell. And, man, he broke Russell's ankles so bad in that last game. He's really, really good. He's he's a stud. I, I don't even know who to compare him to because everybody's saying a young Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade didn't have that kind of a jump shot at this age. No, absolutely and he, not. And Dwayne Wade, in, in his rookie year, wasn't putting up – averaging 28 points in a playoff series. He might be a top 25 player in the NBA already, and his ceiling is like top 10. Yeah, oh, for sure. And I think, you know, obviously we, we talked to the disconnect that seemed to be there all season long 
um, in Oklahoma City. But that's still a talented team, and Utah pretty much ran them ran them right out of the building. Another bad matchup for OKC, and I just think that it was the difference between good coaching and bad coaching and, and a team that really plays together and is motivated and a team that's just a bunch of spare parts. It's Russell Westbrook. Uh, ISO balling it for 22 seconds out of the shot clock, and then if you can't make anything happen, it's Mello, Paul George, whoever, pull up for a, a horrible, uh, you know, low percentage yeah, three. Yeah, a high contested shot. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I, I'd like to see this series, you know, maybe six, go six. six I, th- yeah, I, I think I'm Houston and six. Here. Yeah, Houston and six. I think that you see signs of Paul and Harden choking, but they figure out a way through it. I mean, last series, Harden should not have had eight points in one of the games. That's bad. But Chris Paul covered his ass. I think Capella is kind of going to be neutralized this series because Gobert is so goddamn good. He really is. Um, On the offensive end, he's not going to bring much besides a pick and roll, but you don't really need him when you have – you know, even Ingles is great. They have a really good team. They didn't even really need Rodney Hood, who's trash in Cleveland. Uh, I was wrong on that prediction. I will say that. Um – but yeah, you know, I think that I think that the talent on Houston just beats finally beats down in six. Yeah, the Jazz. I, I I think that I think so too. But Utah's going to be a team to watch in the Western Conference for a long time. Oh no, yeah, they're young, and we'll see what they can do in the draft this year, and maybe in free agency. They're they're one of the best coach teams as well. Um, so yeah, they're definitely an interesting team, but we'll end that one with Houston and six yep. is our prediction. Yep. Certainly agree. So we'll let's head over on. to the East. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just go into the series that we know are going to be happening right now. And so that's Boston and Philly, Boston and Philly. That's going to be a interesting fun, series. fun series, man. And this series is really going to show you how far along the Sixers are. Browner is a really good head coach. Obviously I give Stevens the edge. Um, in the coaching department, I think he's the coach of the year. I would give him the edge in any series, um, but not as uh, not as much of a margin as it was against Milwaukee, where they basically had um, a third grade public school substitute teacher coaching the team. <laughs> um, no offense, but so he won't be coaching it next year, so it's fine. Absolutely not. But I think that they're. I think that this game, this series, goes five, maybe six. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm think. I'm thinking it could go seven. Jesus Christ, I can't wait until Philly just wins the first two games by twenty, and they just completely out talent the other team. I think because the Celtics aren't gonna do what the Heat did, which is rough them up, and I think that's playing right into Philly's advantage because Philly wants to run, run, run. And I know Stevens will try and slow the game down, but I don't think there's anybody on that team that can slow Ben Simmons down. I think down. Philly wins a game seven in Boston. That'd be pretty interesting, but because I think this I, series I, I, goes I, six most. I, I I hear you because from a talent perspective, you can't question the disparity between the two, but there's something about a Celtics team in the postseason, the way that they're coached, and they play with such a toughness and, and grittiness, and they get a lot of great performances out of guys that are not going to win the one-on-one talent matchups, you know Terry Rozier. Nobody's going to say that he's he's on the same level as a Ben Simmons, but he earned himself a fat I, contract. He's, yeah, and you know he's what? A gamer. They, they're just based off of their pedigree, their experience, and the coaching from Stevens. You know they they're 
I, I could see the series going seven, but I don't I Boston at at home in game seven is tough to pick against. But I think Philly, this is their time. I think Boston's just gonna run out of gas late and um and the young Sixers are gonna are gonna head over to the Eastern Conference final. I think that uh, I think that Embiid is a curveball that the um that the Celtics just can't hit. I, I think if they start pounding the ball into him and he starts just going going at it and hitting those shooters for threes, taking the opportunities that are given to him, and if they try and ugly the game, if they play ugly with the Celtics, which is what they're going to try and do, although I don't think they can do it as well as the Heat, um, I think if they can beat them at their own game, basically, in this series, it's a wrap. This is going to be a coming-of-age litmus test for Philly. And I know I'm I know I'm in love with this young Sixers team. How I know. can you not be though as an NBA fan? They're oh, yeah. they're, they're so a much lot fun. of fun it's, to watch. They they have an attitude. And they, good for Philly. As much I like Philly as a city. Uh, the people there fucking suck. You know, but good for Philly. You know, Villanova, you got the Sixers are good. The, the Eagles, Eagles just won the Super won the Bowl. Super Bowl, which I was not happy about. As um, a Giant fan that was that was a Terrible, terrible day. And, and, you know, every team, the Phillies are even, you know, they have a really good young team, and they just got Arietta. Good for Philly for looking good. But enough about that. I, You think it's going to go seven. I think it's um, Sixers in five, maybe six. That's kind of a bitch prediction. Put a number on it. Put a number six. on it. Okay, six. there it is. All right. They win back at Wells Fargo. Yes, sir. Yeah. All yes, right. sir. Meek Mill is back. <laughs> Meek Mill is back. They've got they've got everything going for him. Yeah, I like the pedigree of Boston, but we're going to see. I think it's going to be a great series and a provocative series and one that the NBA, everybody who follows the NBA or even if you're a fringe NBA fan is going to fall in love with. So moving on to the to the other, well, I guess we should probably talk about the Game 7 first. We can make a prediction and then move into the Yeah, series. real quick, obviously, Toronto knocked off Washington, so they're awaiting the winner yeah, and we of can Cleveland, talk about that Indiana. Series. We can talk about the end of that series. I thought that if Washington had one other good player, they'd beat Toronto, but that's just the MO of them. If they had had one other player, they probably would have been a two-seed. Um, John Wall, uh, I, I read a statistic that John Wall um, is either – walking or not moving more than any other player in the NBA, believe it or not. The second guy was Dirk Nowinski, who can <laughs> barely walk at this point. That's so and shameful. John Wall is putting in less effort, in my opinion, that's what that means, than him, uh, believe it or not. So he's kind of like a Russell Westbrook type where it's like when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's honestly a negative. Yeah. He's not a spot-up shooter. He's not a cutter. So what's he doing besides standing? It's a it's a four on five at that point, and that is the reason why I think that the Wizards lost. Because there was a there was a viral video on um, on all the social media where it just showed an entire possession of John Wall in the corner with his hands on his knees, and that was there was a lot more than that one video of that, and I think that's the reason why they lost in this series. Um, moving on, we have a game seven tonight. Which I think it's going to be close, and LeBron is going to have to play like LeBron in this game. Yeah, like he had to do in games two and two and five. Yeah, and, and if it wasn't, you know, thinking about it, if it wasn't, if LeBron, if you take LeBron off this team, are they a top four lottery team? If you take LeBron off this team, first of all, this series would have been over in five or six. This and, series would have been over in four. And are you kidding, dude? I I mean I I don't think Indiana's nearly as good. I mean, think Oladipo's about everything been great, LeBron does. Though. I know, I know. But LeBron, if LeBron doesn't 
pass and or score the basketball, there is no offense. The second best player in this series, Kevin Love, is averaging 11 points per game in this series. And you want to know who's second on the team in assists? Jeff Green with 1.3 assists per game. I'm saying five or six because aside from the top teams in the conference, it's hard to get a sweep. But you're right. I mean, Cleveland is so dependent on LeBron. LeBron has to have Jordan moments every game to pull this team to victory. I still think at home, I can't see him losing. But Indiana has given them everything that we had talked about in our predictions. They've get, they've thrown everything they're at them. They're young and they're hungry. They're young and they're hungry, and they don't back down. And I tell you, it, it really shows to show that Cleveland doesn't have the talent and this has worn them out. Like, I don't think they're getting past Toronto. This is just a, a, a 2007. I don't even know if they're that good Cleveland Cavaliers team. LeBron has got the team on his back. I don't know if he can do it anymore. He may already have bought another house in L.A. I, it's just bad. And none of the trades, although it was probably LeBron's fault because he's probably the one who wanted those trades to work and to go through, none of them have worked. Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, Rodney Hood, as I said a few minutes ago, none of them worked. Um, Kyle Korver, a guy they traded for a first-round pick last year, nothing, a zero. Well, he's a one-dimensional player. If, if he's not on, shooting threes, and he doesn't, he's a negative on the floor. If you put him on the Sixers, maybe he's banging threes. But the difference between him and, I guess, a guy you can compare it to, a white guy who can shoot, J.J. Redick, J.J. Redick plays defense. Redick is one of the most active players on the floor at all times. Yeah. And like you said, there's it's not a mistake that every, every team he's been on has been a playoff team. I don't think we have to say much about the Cavs. I think how badly they are and the fact that LeBron is in a Game 7 in the first round for the first time since – God, maybe against those Gilbert Arenas um, Wizards, Wizards teams, teams yeah. you know, what feels like 100 years ago, I, I think that speaks for itself. This team has either – they're just bad. You know, I already laid the stats out there for you with the Kevin Love and the Rodney Ho- or the uh, Jeff Green stats. And if you're relying on Jeff Green as your third best player or whatever – you're in a hell of a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I do believe that Cleveland's going to win Game 7 at home today. I uh, agree. But I don't think they're getting past Toronto. I, I don't. I think Toronto – we've talked about how they're how Let's LeBron is Toronto's kryptonite. But I, this team is so much worse than the teams of the, the past few years. And Toronto doesn't do anything incredibly well. But I look at if they can knock off the Wizards, they can because even though the Wizards don't have a player like LeBron James, the rest of that supporting cast is a hell of a lot better than what Cleveland has. And I could easily see Toronto winning in six. I agree with you. And what I find interesting, just a side note, is that the Warriors every single year have these free agents that really shouldn't be taking the league minimum but do. Uh, David West is a prime example, and there's been a bunch of them. And my question is always, and it has been for a really long time, is do these guys, they must not like playing with LeBron. I think playing with LeBron is exhausting. There's not a must. They, 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 there's no speculation needed. They don't. Because I, I think that, you know, it's fun to play with the Warriors. It's fun to play with Steph, KD, etc. And I just think that they know that it's going to be a grind when you go to play with LeBron because none of these guys that give you value that are ring chasing go to play with LeBron. You know, you have you have the the few guys like the Kendrick Perkins and and the James Jones and these guys that that are LeBron disciples that will go anywhere with him. But besides that, 
I mean, listen, he's probably the second greatest player of all time, but th- I guess there's a reason why Kyrie I, – I guess there's a little bit of an argument to why he didn't want to be with them because every year you see it that these Warriors teams and, uh, and other good teams go and grab these guys and they ring chase at the end of their career. But Jordan was very much the same way. Uh, he had yeah, a lot no, of supporting absolutely. cast mostly because of the team that was built around him. But Pippen never liked playing with him. And, you know, Jordan was such an alpha male on the court that it was hard to get a lot of these ring chasers to really agree to play with him because they they knew it was going to just be his show and the entire team was going to be run the way he wanted to. LeBron's that next guy. The reason people don't want to play with him is he's too dominant. He treats every game as if it's a game seven. And which is good and bad on the floor, and they know that his his temperament. I mean, like like we talked about last week, right? Like Kyrie Irving could have been his Pippin for years, and he's and he could not stand to play with LeBron James. So that's that's the reason. And you're getting a David West or an Andre Iguodala who's agreeing to stay there, knowing he or a Sean Livingston. Any of these guys, they don't they would never want to play with LeBron, and that goes to show in series like this because they're complementary pieces and that veteran pedigree but that isn't stuff there. Of in course the later matters. rounds, you know. In the regular season not so much, even in the first one round, maybe two rounds, that doesn't matter, but you know, Rudy Gay is not going to go play with LeBron James. No, exactly. And that was just a little and they could side really note. use him. Oh, yeah, no. They could use anyone. I think they could use one of us to get grab a few rebounds or something. But uh, that was just a side note. Um, going back to the series, the last one we have, um, this one's tough because I, I'm just I have trouble always doubting LeBron. I really do. I don't. Well, that's I, why I think it's going to be Toronto in six. They're going to have the home court. They're really good at home. I think game one's really going to matter in that series. You're going to see. You, I think you can determine the entire series based off game one. I think so too. Toronto goes out, takes care of business. It's a wrap. And they're more rested, too. You know, the, the thing that even and if... You want to know what's funny? Not to cut you off, but if you watch this, when LeBron knows his team doesn't have it, he did it for the first time around with the Cavs, and he did it on the Heat, he'll he'll phone it in. Oh, yeah. Especially if if he if in, if it's in his mind that he's gone, you know, if, if they're getting into trouble today at home against Indiana, and Indiana has, you know, maybe a, a nine-point lead, an eight-point lead with two minutes left... You're going to see LeBron just phoning it in. Yeah, he did it in Boston when he was the first time around on the Cavs. Uh, I wouldn't really say he did it against Dallas with Miami. That was just a matter of LeBron having probably the worst stretch of his entire career at a really bad time. But then he did it again that last season with the Heat on the Spurs where he just phoned it in. He knew it wasn't going to happen, and that's that. But, yeah, I I think that it'll be Toronto in six. Yeah, I like Toronto at home. And you know what, too, is – I think LeBron grabs two games on his own. I was just going to say, and and Indiana as well, you know, they're tiring LeBron out. LeBron's going to have to go max effort again today just to pull out a win. uh, And then they're going to have to turn around and play on Tuesday night. The Raptors should be sending gift baskets to every single player. And they should honestly buy Lance Stevenson another house for what he's doing to LeBron physically and mentally because they're really wearing him out. Yep, and that's what we talked about, right? Like heading into the whole landscape of the postseason. If any team could wear down LeBron's calves and just make him work that much harder, because every game matters. And if they have to turn around and go up to Canada and play game one on Tuesday after a max effort LeBron playing 47 of the 48 minutes tonight, that's going to matter. And and Toronto's a really good home team. 
they don't they don't have a LeBron James on that team, but they have a lot of really good, talented, tough players. Lowry's tough. DeRozan's tough. Valanciunas is tough. Yeah, or Ibaka La- is tough. DeRozan's a guy where obviously he's not LeBron, but he's a top probably twenty player in the NBA, and he can go out and he can get buckets. Yeah, and, and Cleveland's not going to get score. a break physically from them. Yeah, and there's no one on that team besides LeBron that can guard him. No. No. And LeBron's probably going to try, especially if he's tired, to play more of a center fielder role where, or, or a safety role where he's going to try and play off the off the ball handler and play safety and get steals. And that's not going to work when you got DeRozan hitting shots all game. No, I like I like Toronto and Philly to play in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and then just to give you an early finals prediction, just because I'm itching to do it, I think it's the Warriors and the 76ers. Yeah, what a surprise there. And I think the Warriors win it. I think the Warriors all win it All that build up just for is the, the easy. Easiest, the most easily guessable prediction on your part I've ever seen. But yeah, that would be fun. That would be a really fun series and something the NBA could love. So we'll see how the postseason turns out. We're gonna have another week's worth of games. We're down to uh, we're down to four teams in each in each conference now. Well, we will be after Game Seven today. Um, I think if LeBron if LeBron loses. That would be the number one story heading into next week, even with all the other series starting. Oh up. yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I really, honestly, I hope he doesn't. Because then it's just going to be uh, an entire summer of where is he going? Where is he going? Blah blah blah. Yes, like, it will be even more intolerable. Yeah, and I don't want to see Brian Windhorst on television. Uh, nobody ever. does. Nobody does. But um, but there's the NBA. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we've covered the NFL draft. We've covered the NBA playoffs. Let's move on Let's to some baseball. Let's finish up with some baseball. You want to start us off? Um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, the Yankees are starting to turn things around. Although Otani did turn around a fucking 97-mile-an-hour fastball from Severino. But then he turned around his ankle running yeah, down to first absolutely, base. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think he's a great prime rookie of the year candidate, as well as um, another guy, Andahar. How could you not love watching Andahar play if yeah. you're a Yankee fan? And the thing that I wanted to talk to you about was Drury's going to come back. And hey, he's playing down think, AAA right now. Here's what I think. First base right now is a black hole. I think Drury might be able to play first base. He'll play first until until uh, Bird comes back. And then he could just be Although super... it's hard to get Tyler Austin out of that lineup, man. He's been real good. I, I'm with you. I'm not I'm not saying that Tyler Austin's going to be Drury, an MVP. I think but... Drury, if he, if he tries at it... I think he could be a better fielder, and a, he's just better than Tyler Austin. Oh no, I agree. But Tyler Austin's played really well. Yeah, and he has, and I think that I think that Drury is going to be, and these things, and it's so cliche to say, but these things really do have a way of figuring themselves out. Yeah. Um, I think Drury is going to be a, maybe a super utility guy. I kind of wanted Andahar to go there. You talked me out of it. I agree. Andahar is a little too hot right now to even touch. Leave him at third base. Ten of his last 12 games, I think, or something like that, he's got an extra base hit. He is raking right now. I yeah. don't even know what to say. And it's not one of those. Laser, like, literally lasers are coming off. Yeah, it's not one of those, oh, well, he's a nice story. He's coming up. Wait for the league to catch up with him. He's been a top prospect in not only the Yankees system, but all throughout Major League Baseball for yeah. a long time. It's just the Yankees have such a good system that he's kind of overlooked. But you know what? Here he is, and he's playing great. Um, the Stanton still 
doesn't look great. Notorious slow starter. We've spoken about this before. But I think that by the end of the year, you're going to look up and he's going to have 35 home runs. He's going to be hitting like 260 with over 100 RBIs. I look for next season to be his real big Yankee season because he's going to have a little bit more comfortability. But Fine. can we as get As long through? as he can hit 35 bombs, you know, be in the all-star voting and – that's all you need because you got Aaron Judge who's playing great right now. And I can't, I can't believe we've gotten through a couple minutes of baseball talk without addressing the early season MVP, Didi Gregorius. That oh, is the man. best trade that Cashman has ever made. And I'm gonna say Incredible. it right now, I, he does. He's better than Jeter. Say it. He, say I said, it. Statistically, he's better than Jeter. He's oh, better than God. Jeter. He's not. He, he's not Jeter with the winning, obviously, yet, and he's not a captain, but he has all the traits of a captain. The team I don't care about him. the captain thing. I know. It's but about he, the numbers. That's so, all I care he's about. He's so good, man. Yeah, but he's so good. Jeter's still better than him because Jeter is the best owner in all of baseball, and he's the reason why the Yankees have Giancarlo Stanton. So I will never say a bad thing about Derek I'll never Jeter say anything bad about Jeter either, but, I mean, Didi, man, come on. Oh, incredible. Uh, uh, ten home runs already, and how many of them have Gold come Gold? in big Big oh, yeah. spots, too. I mean, I've said it before on the podcast. Those aren't A-Rod home runs where it's 10. Like yesterday, A-Rod would have had three home runs. Right. Where where it's already 7 Eight nothing, nothing Yankees, in the second inning. And yeah. A-Rod's getting up there all comfortable, and he's just patting his stats. No, he's hitting home runs in the clutch when this shit actually matters, which is – that's – you know, his M.O. at this point. He did that last year. He hit that bomb off Minnesota in the wild card game. And, and he's I mean, batting in the perfect position in the order, too, because no matter how, first of all, Judge is on fire. And even though he hasn't hit his stride yet, nobody wants to face Giancarlo Stanton. D.D., so. believe it or not, got better this year, as well as um, as well as well Judge. Because if you watch, D.D.'s walks are up, as well as yep. his stolen bases. Yep. And he's still playing gold glove defense. He's hitting well for average, and he's hitting home runs. He might. He's hitting like 340. I mean, we took the over on the home runs, and I, that's definitely going to happen. He's going to hit 30 this year easily, maybe even to 30, to even into the low 30s. And, you know, the shortstops right now are heavy in baseball. They're, you know, they're be- we spoke about that on an earlier podcast. Uh, they're becoming a, a much more prevalent position. It's not just a fielder's position. Um, some other positions are becoming some a little bit less. Some of the best players, especially since Machado moved back to short, some of the best players in the entire sport are shortstops. Absolutely. And, and Judge, as I just mentioned, is doing the same thing. He's working more walks this year. He's not, Which is hard to do because he led the league in walks last yeah, year. Even, yeah, he's got an even better eye this year. He's not swinging at that fastball at his neck that he thinks he can turn around when, no, you can't hit it. That's, that's textbook baseball 101. Don't swing at a ball. Up, you know, above at your eye level. Right. It looks great, but it's not. And, and I wish that Stanton, maybe when he's on deck or in the hole, would fucking take a look at how how the other two go at an approach to the plate because he just goes up there free swinging, at pitches at his neck out too far outside, and he just looks like he's really p- pressing. And I get it, but it's just like maybe he needs a couple days off where he can just sit and collect his thoughts because he doesn't have an approach up there. Even yesterday, you can tell it was a 10 nothing game. He was really pressing. He wanted to hit one 500 feet. Exactly, and he hit a rocket to Cozart that got charged as an error. I thought it was a hit. Could have gone either way, whatever. But every single at bat, it looks like he's just trying to hit the ball 1,000 feet. Yep. And it's it's like, dude, you, you're, the best, you're the best power hitter in – 
how many years last year, and you have been for your entire career. You know the home runs are going to come. Stop pressing and stop swinging at those fastballs at your throat. And stop swinging at those sliders low and away that you know you're going to fucking see. Yep. He, this, he is not a rookie. This is like... That's the only thing that worries me is that he is not a rookie and he he should know all this shit by now. Especially being on, I'm not sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but especially being on a Miami Marlins team where before Christian Yelich and Ozuna came up, he was the only offense and everybody was pitching around him and he managed to club the ball out there. Yep, and you know what? It goes to show how how diff- how much difference a week makes, right? Because they are. They they're they're rolling right now, and other guys are picking up the slack. Where you you really can't. You, he had that four for four game last Monday, where it looked like he was really coming out of it. He has been drawing more walks. His his um, plate discipline has gotten slightly better, although he's definitely still dealing with the struggles that what you were just talking about. Um, but when you're winning and you're rolling, and Gary's hitting, you don't notice and everyone kind of and Andujar and Torres. I mean Gardner, every at bat is seven or eight pitches, and that's the thing too is. What's encouraging about what the Yankees have been doing this last week is they are wearing out mediocre pitching, which is what they should do. This lineup is prolific, not just from a hitting standpoint, but listen, they've got every pitcher at 50 pitches in the second inning. I mean, they nobody yeah. can finish these guys off, and even especially like the biggest thing with Didi is his plate discipline has gotten better, which has allowed him to jump on those pitches early. And every at-bat, I mean, the first two guys in the lineup, Gardner is 3-2 every at-bat. Judge is 3-2 every at-bat. Didi's 3-2 every yeah, at-bat. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we've been going kind of long about the Yankees here, but I think that not that we got off to the start that the Yankees, sorry, the Yankees got off to the start that they wanted with the injuries and just with the losing, but they're kind of back to where you want them to be. They're They're right on the Red Sox tail. Um, the Red Sox aren't going to play this well, and the Yankees have a lot of people coming back. Their bullpen's starting to get shirt up. You got Canely coming back. Um, the only thing that concerns me, and we we talk about it every week, and we have to talk about it again, is the starting pitching. Yeah, I Sonny mean, Gray, Gray continues to struggle. He's a waste of a trade. He's been bad. Now, if the other prospects don't Fool's turn out gold. to be a whole lot for for Oakland, then it's no big deal. Yeah, it's just but, all yeah. in the wash. But yep. he has been. Fool's gold. And I don't know if he needs a trip down to the DL with a fake injury and I suck injury and I need to figure it out or, or you know, and a quick trip to the minors after that, a rehab assignment. Yep. But he needs to figure something out because he was too talented in Oakland and he's not that old and he doesn't have that many miles on his arm to be throwing 91 down the dick and guys are just clubbing it and all And he's a ground ball pitcher by trade, and, he, and he's given up a lot of home runs. But the thing with him is he there's a difference in pitching, right, from a waste pitch to a wasted pitch. You know, when you're ahead 0-2 and you throw two pitches that aren't that don't even look like strikes, those aren't waste pitches because the batter's not even entertaining yeah, the understand. thought. If you want to waste a curveball down that yeah. looks like a strike and they don't swing at it, that's fine. Yeah, or I a waste fastball it's, up. It's the art of pitching. You know, you got to throw a fastball up and then throw a curveball in the dirt, change the eye levels. But when you're throwing a pitch, like you said, that's not even close to a strike. That even Mike, sorry, Gene Carlos Stanton wouldn't swing at at this point. That's a wasted pitch, and that's the reason why you're at 110 pitches in a three in to nothing inning. game 
the other team's winning right. in the fifth inning. Yeah. And it's so frustrating because when you run him out there, you already know, shit, we got to have the bullpen ready to go. Hopefully everybody's rested. And let's hope if, if the Yankees somehow do have a one to nothing, two to nothing lead, because they never seem to score runs for Sonny Gray either. That let's Although this year it. has been different. They've given him several leads that he has not held. That's true. I agree. He, he It'll be five nothing. It'll be five nothing, and then he'll he'll give it up. But you know, just to go around the league, um, I don't know. Do you see anything that stands out to you? The Mets are starting to cool off a little bit, which Same is with as expected. Um, well, Boston, Boston's going to be there all year, but I think the Mets are still going to probably finish in third. The Braves have looked really good, they and they just, called up Acuna, and he looks like. He looks as advertised. Yep, and I don't think it was a mistake for them to bring him up facing the Reds either, because that was built no, in. You but knew he, he would. He did, oh yeah, and he's playing great defense. He's a stud. He's a really, really. They're going to be bringing these kind of kids up all year long. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I, I think that pretty much wraps up the pod. Big series in Houston this week for the Yankees too. Yeah, um, I think they're probably going to. If they can split, I think that's a victory, and then come, I, I and then come agree. home. Because Houston, man. You know, we know we know all about their offense. That pitching is insane. It's great. Yeah, they're facing everybody other than Garrett Cole. So they're going to face McCullers, Verlander, Keuchel, and Morton. So it's going to be a tough like series. You act like I should be happy that they're not facing Garrett Cole, and then you rattle off those other pitchers. Right. And you're like, well, that sucks. Yep. Yeah, and Sonny Gray's pitching game one of the series for the Yankees. Okay, so, so you're going to end up 0-1. So you're going to end up 0-1. Great. So... Uh, who knows? But yeah, it'll be the Yankees this uh, coming week. Just to just to finish off, are going to play the four in Houston, um, and then they're going to come home and play three against uh, Cleveland. So recaps of their two playoff series last year. Absolutely. So yeah, just to cap it off, you know, little draft talk, little everything. Uh, we're about an hour and fifteen in, so. I think that's enough. I think it's we a good time to stop. Well, points made. Absolutely, lots of lots of fun in the sports calendar this week. Absolutely. And, um, and we're looking forward to getting more into the NBA. What are you going to do when you find out that you you hear word that Barkley's already out partying with Odell? Barkley's not going to do that. He just had a freaking kid. He's fine. I don't okay. think he's going. Okay. I don't think he's going out. I, I don't question Barkley. Man. I saw I really a white substance he, in a picture. Right he's going to be a great player. It's just it's the number two pick, and you didn't take your next franchise guy, and you took a running back. Just my thought. He's going to be great. He's going to be a great kid. Is what a it good is. Pick. We'll see how it goes. It'll be we'll a good see how it goes. Player. Congrats on Darnold. Suck right. for Sam worked. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. All right.